You've tuned into Geek Elite Radio. Good luck. The future comes, and now my watch begins. It shall not end until my death. I shall miss no game, withhold no news, report all rumors. I shall wear no jerseys and plead allegiance to no side. I shall live and die on my webpage. I am the word in the darkness. I am the watcher of the TV. I am the megaphone that informs the realms of geek. I pledge my hands and name to the Geek's Watch, for the Geeks and all the Geeks to come. Welcome back for another shift on the Geek's Watch. This week we are still not doing a show yet, we're talking about movies, and we're going to, John and I, we're going to talk about Venom, and we're talking about a movie, so that means I get to tell John why he's wrong. Once again. I'm looking forward to it. All right, good. Uh, you know, usually, like, when we come in and start doing stuff for uh, a TV shows, like, uh, like especially Game of Thrones, John will be the one that informs me of uh, all the things that I don't know, but we're going to talk about a movie, so I'm going to inform him about the stuff he doesn't know. About a movie about a character that I think I know a little bit more. You actually do probably know more about that <laughs> character than I do. Uh, we're going to be talking about Venom, and I just, I, I've never been the biggest fan. I don't hate the character. I just never been. Actually, I've, I like the be- the character better as Agent Venom than I do as Venom. Yeah, see, I'm more of like the Talk McFarlane era, pre-Ultimate uh, Universe, uh, all of that. So if any of the more current stuff, yeah, I'm not even up to date on that. I'm just going to go based off solely of like his first appearances. Agent Venom isn't part of the Ultimate Universe, if that's what you're trying to get at. Agent Venom is is the Venom symbiote like being attached to Flash Thompson. Oh, it's a different one. No, it's the same one. It's the one that was on Eddie Brock. Ah. But they took it off of... So Eddie loses it. It goes to Scorpion. Scorpion has it. Scorpion loses it. It goes to uh, the the good guys have it. They decide, hey, what if we give it to a good guy? If we can make it work for you know for us instead, and Agent Venom gets or Flash Thompson gets it, and since Flash is ex military, ex army, he's uh, considered he's he's Captain America gives, lets him be Agent Venom. So that means there's still a chance Joe Manganiello might come back. To the Spider-Man universe, <laughs> maybe I guess that's that's interesting. I didn't even think about that. Oh, I mean, we have a new Flash Thompson in this Marvel Cinematic Universe. I don't see Tony Rivoli though as uh, as I, agent. I don't, don't like that actor. <laughs> I really don't, and I don't like what they did with the Flash Thompson. There, he's the new kind of bully. He he bullies with words. He's a cyber douche. He's a cyber douche. Uh, yeah, no, thank you. But okay. Let's go, and then the, there's the the Flash Thompson that was in the Amazing Spider-Man movies, which is I don't even remember. I don't even know who the, the actor was. He's just some generic jock. The only yeah, the only time that he was, I mean, the only time he's on there is when he's about to pick on Peter, or he picks on Peter, and then the other time after Uncle Ben dies, he's like, hey, it's 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 hard, right? And like he's like bonding with Peter. Well, then there's a part where he like humiliates him. With the basketball one on one. Oh yeah, that's right. Anything about that? But 
So, all right. Well, yeah, we'll, we're going to talk about Venom here at the, after we get past the geek news. So, we're, there, I think there's a lot to talk about with the geek news. First thing we definitely want to talk about, though, is all of the Mandalorian news that came out this week. I got to say, this one has my... Uh Knickers feeling tight. <laughs> so first, let's talk about John Favreau. He released on his Instagram first the title of his show, uh, The Mandalorian, and then a little synopsis, I guess, little tease of what the show is going to be about. It but, almost looks like the crawl for like the uh, opening of a movie. Oh, it definitely looks like the crawl <laughs> for the opening of a Star Wars movie. So here it says, after the stories of Jango and Boba Fett, another warrior emerges in the Star Wars universe. The Mandalorian is set after the fall of the Empire and before the emergence of the First Order. We follow the travails of a lone gunfighter in the outer reaches of the galaxy far from the authority of the New Republic. So... After the fall of the Empire, before the emergence of the First Order, that's between Episode 3 and, and, and Episode 4, right? Uh, that's between Episodes 6 and 7. That's what I meant. Yes. 6 and 7. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm tired. I'm sorry, folks. <laughs> yes, Episode 6 and Episode 7. So, uh, this is not Boba Fett. According to this, no. It's a completely new... Well... Not entirely a new character, but one we haven't seen in the movies before. It's I, I was always under the impression, and obviously I'm wrong, that I thought that Boba and, I guess, to the extension, Django were the last Mandalorians. No, they were... Well, the whole Mandalorian culture and all of that is kind of... of uh, in a nebulous area right now due to the canyon reboot. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, there was definitely still a culture. Mandalorians were no longer a single race. They were actually a collective. Um, essentially, anybody could be a Mandalorian if you so chose to live that lifestyle and be essentially a nomadic, uh, mercenary, gun-for-hire type, um, which lent itself perfectly for being things like bounty hunters and outlaws and stuff, which is why uh, you know Boba Fett was for the longest time associated with the bounty hunters uh, but they're not necessarily so they're also guns for hire um, you know they're essentially anti-heroes because um, the original model for Boba Fett was actually I guess um, based off of the man with no name from the Clint Eastwood series oh. of a uh, fistful of dollars a few dollars more in the good the bad and the ugly um, Boba Fett was essentially a space version of Clint Eastwood <laughs> So that's how you have. Oh, okay. So, uh, well, just from that brief description, how do you feel about the show? Dude, I'm super psyched. I've, I am more excited about this show than about whatever they're planning on doing with episode nine. <laughs> and to the point where I might even not go watch the movie in theaters. Wow. I would probably wait till it comes out on video or streaming and watch it there. Or... Uh, if I happen to already be watching another movie, maybe I'll treat myself to a double feature. But other than that, I don't think uh, I care that much about episode nine. Like, I don't see where they're going, and I don't think it can go in any way that interests me at this point. I mean, J.J. Abrams is finally going to have to learn how to pay off something, especially after all the left curves that uh, Ryan Johnson threw at the series. <laughs> so, I mean, if, if he can pull it off, more power to him, but... I think uh, I'm more excited about, A, not only the fact that this show is 
centered around the culture and a type uh, archetype that I'm super interested in, uh, but also some of the talent involved. They're going to have some like pretty interesting uh, guest directors. Yeah, on so that was the next part I was going to talk about was the the de- guest directors that they, they're going to have. We know uh, Taika Waititi. Score. Uh, uh, Bryce Dallas Howard. Interesting. Rick Fawu... Fa- I can never say his name. Fabuloso? No, it's F-A-M-U-Y-I-W-A. It's the guy... It, he directed the the first season of um, True Detective. Fukuyama? Fumaiya? I think that's the same guy. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, Deborah Chow... And then uh, Dave Filoni. Yeah, Dave Filoni is another good one because for the longest time, people have been championing him uh, to take over as the creative lead for Lucasfilm. Right. And um, much to a lot of fans' chagrin, it turns out that Kathleen Kennedy has been extended for another three years. In spite of the bad performance and bad word of mouth that the last two movies have gotten. Right. So, uh, yeah, Dave Filoni coming in and actually being hands-on on a live-action Star Wars property is, at, at the very least, will be interesting. But it could be very promising, and it could be a, a, a first step into a much larger role. So, once again, yeah, G, I mean, obviously, John Favreau is going to direct, direct at least an episode, I, I would imagine. But I he, would imagine, He's yeah. producing and showrunning this He's getting the talented, you know, directors to come in and, and work on episodes. Rick, it is the same one that I'm thinking of because he also he also directed Dope, and he was supposed to do um, Flash at one point, but then he left for creative differences. Famuya, I still can't say it. Anyways, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I mean. The other thing, the other bit of news, bit of rumor that was coming out was that a certain Red Viper might have been up for the lead in this show. Dude, I'm already all in. That's just like a bonus right there. <laughs> so, yeah, Pedro Pascal, who's just about all over the place right now. I mean, he's going to be in the Wonder Woman 1984 movie. Yeah. He's uh, either in the gold circle. He was in Kingsman, yeah. And he was in Narcos and all other stuff, but him being the lead in this Mandalorian show that could be fucking awesome. Yes. And then there was the picture. The picture was released that showed us the Mando armor that's going to be featured in the show, I assume. Dude, this is going to be some hot cosplay, I tell you what. <laughs> that's a slick looking suit. I love that old west look that it gives. And Very much that. so. Now, I I notice or I don't I don't know if I can, I do notice or I don't notice but is there a is there a jetpack on the back of that thing? Um I don't see one. It looks like he's got some big ass gun though kind of strapped to the back. So. Yeah, that's true. I mean that's uh, a jetpack isn't necessarily, you know, a requirement of Mandalorians. Uh, it's definitely a good way to move around. <laughs> um but uh, it's not necessarily, you know, required. And I mean given that this will be a a TV show, I'm pretty sure they're going to try to keep it a bit more grounded as far as the technology is concerned. Um, if he does end up using a jetpack, it'll probably be for like very special occasions. 
uh, maybe on his birthday or something. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, I don't really if it's going to be smaller scale stories, which I think they that's kind of what they're planning. It's not going to really involve any direct, uh, you know, saga characters. It's going to be just a story set within the Star Wars universe, which is what a lot of fans have been clamoring for. So many people are basically saying enough with the Skywalkers. Like everything that we know about this universe is centered around this one family. Kind of give us something else. So that's kind of a step in the right direction for that, at least. And if they give that to us and it still sucks, then, well, I guess we have nothing else to complain about. <laughs> now, is there any significance to the coloring on his armor? Um, well, colors were essentially representative of, or indicative of clans, uh, but it can also indicate... Um, well, you had with Django, his was was blue, and then Boba, his was green. Well, Boba Fett's armor always had a, um, and it was the same thing with the ship too, uh, the Slave One. It was essentially a worn version uh-huh. of Django's armor. So the idea was that he took over uh, Django's armor, and then it was just because it'd been like twenty years. Uh, since those events of the Clone Wars, it was just essentially the same armor, just battle-worn and so faded. It, and oh Wait, it turned from silver and blue to green and red? Essentially, yes. That's uh, There's this weird motif in Star Wars where certain colors uh, end up to demark the passage of time, I guess. Huh. Um, well, case in point, uh, the Millennium Falcon in... Solo. Solo, yes. Um, it has blue markings on it. Right. Whereas in episode four and onward, uh, those same areas that are normally blue on the Millennium Falcon in Solo are actually red. Hmm. So for some reason in Star Wars, whenever a certain period of time passes, the blue pigment turns to a red. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, I guess the silver kind of turns into a more uh, kind of greenish, like, rust color it's it's weird but i i think it's to kind of keep a weird sense of consistency within that universe um there's a few other uh, examples i could pop up here but uh i'd really have to do some searching for them to give you more specifics but yeah it's it's i think it's supposed to be the same armor for boba fett for this guy on the other hand this is more like he his armor is more of a, a a deep auburn red Yes, and there's very little uh, weathering on it. it. It definitely has a used look, but it's not. Um, it looks like that's what its original colors are supposed to be, which looks really badass. I really I dig the whole scheme of it. Okay. Uh, anything else you want to say about this Mandalorian show? Uh, I can't believe that Disney's going to make me pay for another subscription to watch this. <laughs> yes, they but, will. Uh, that's how they're going to get my money. They're going to get your money. Uh, all right. So jumping off of that for right now, Vin Diesel, he got on his Instagram and did a video while on set for Bloodshot, which is the, oh, what, I forget, Valiant, Valiant Comics movie that he's making. And he wanted to say thank you to a few people and say, hey, you know, this is what I'm doing. But he also threw out a tease about a couple of spin-off a couple more spin-off movies from the Fast and Furious franchise. We already know we got Hobbs and Shaw coming out um which is the the Rock and Jason Statham, but he said that one of the he kind of hinted that one of the t- spin-offs is going to be a all-female lead Fast and the Furious, which I would assume have to do with uh, with Michelle Rodriguez. 
Yeah, leading like a badass team of lady drivers or whatever it is that they do now. Yeah. Essentially, yeah, <laughs> be superheroes. Yeah. Uh, how do you feel about that? Are you a fan of the Fast and the Furious franchise? You know, I do, but I, well, I would consider myself a fan, but I don't think I've seen the last two. Oh, okay. Um, I think the last one I saw was the one where they find uh, Michelle Rodriguez's character again. Okay. And then whoever, the Brazilian cop that uh, Vin Diesel was dating was like, oh, your ex is back in the picture? Okay, well, have a nice life then. <laughs> I was like, well, that was convenient. <laughs> that was the last one I remember watching. I think there's been one or two since uh, then. I think there's been two since then. Yeah. So, okay, so I'm not caught up. Um, I feel like they are kind of jumping the shark a little bit. I, I I don't. I mean, I think the, the the second they go to outer space, then they jump that shark. But wow. uh, also, the end of that mo- the end of his little video, uh, Cody Walker is there saying hi. So ah. the idea is that maybe Cody will be returning as his brother's role of Brian Speedman. So this Brian is what I O'Connor. I think O'Connor was his fake name. I think O'Connor was his real name. Speedman was his fake name. Speedman? Because they have to yep. make it. Yeah. Yep. All right. No, so this is my fan theory for uh, Paul Walker's brother. What's uh, his name? Cody? Cody. Of course, it's Cody. Um, so what if they did Game of Death with okay. it? Uh-huh. With, uh, like they did with Fast Bruce, and Furious. Bruce Lee. Yes. So they kill him off at the beginning so that in you know in order to protect his identity they basically have to fake his death but the way that they you know kill him or whatever something happens to his face maybe you know hit his face on a steering wheel in a car accident or they shot him in the face or whatever but he survives so they can explain that his face looks a little different and his voice sounds a little different reconstructive surgery yes exactly and it's still the same character just played by somebody that looks a lot like him happens <laughs> to share some DNA. Uh, I mean, I, I imagine they'll they'll do something similar if they're going to get him to come into the movie. I mean, that'd probably be the least ridiculous premise for something it's, like this. It, I mean, yes. I mean, it, but it was, it's also ridiculous enough to, to fit right in. Or since uh, Jason Statham is now part of this universe, uh, they could tie it in with The One and oh. he's still a multiverse cop. And then this is a... a, a Brian O'Connor from another reality <laughs> coming to this one. Maybe. I could, I could see that too. That would be awesome. Do you dance, John? Uh, only in cases where I'm blackout drunk. So do you dance dance? I do not dance dance. <laughs> well, Dance Dance Revolution is getting its own movie. You know what? I was always more of a pump it up kind of guy, though. I don't know what that is. <laughs> same, same concept, just different game. Okay. I thought this was interesting solely because of the description of the movie. And uh, if I could find it here, it says something to the effect of it's a post-apocalyptic world where they have to dance to uh, start up the resistance or something like that god why can't i find the description that sounds so awful it sounds so horribly bad it's great it sounds like an 80s sci-fi movie actually have you ever uh, heard of the apple i have 
I listened to a podcast. Uh, I uh, a podcast I listened to a lot, which is a uh, How did this get made? Oh yeah, yeah, I love those guys. And they did that movie, and I've since then wanted to uh, watch it. I have never gotten around to watching it though. It's a canon film, so yep. it's definitely it, it was that that movie was produced by cocaine. <laughs> that, that movie is insane. It's it's like wow. It's it's bonkers for sure. Yeah, I can't find the description that I read before, but. When I read that, I was just like, "This sounds unbelievable." I have to, see, I have to see this. I think you, yeah, I think you pretty much nailed it. It's, as far as the whole, uh, the fate of the world is dependent on dancing. Yeah. So I have so many questions about that. Yes, <laughs> like, yes, yes, I do too. Like, is it, is, is, is it like? Is it going to be like a modern day version of like sacrificing a virgin to the volcano? Like, now you have to dance, dance. In order to not just dance, you have to dance, dance. Yeah, the dance, dance. Yeah, no, it's it's exactly true. And then because the word revolution is in there, then you have to tie that somehow into throw overthrowing the the regime, the regime, whatever regime of that the would be. Dancers. Oh, maybe this is like a futuristic take on Footloose. Ooh, maybe Starlord was right. It is going to be the greatest movie ever made. <laughs> uh, well, whatever it is, I can't wait to to watch it and be totally disgusted with myself well the only way that this movie could be any better is if it inspires all of the people watching it to stand up in the theater and begin to dance dance <laughs> to begin to dance dance uh all right someone who's not dance dancing is damon wayans he is leaving lethal weapon after the 10 episode stint that he is doing for or 13 episode stint he's doing for this newest season this coming off of them already losing their original rigs from the show and being hit that character being replaced by or that actor being replaced by Sean William Scott to play another character on the show. So I don't know if you watch the Lethal Weapon show. I don't watch it, but I just find this odd. Um, until now, I had forgotten that there was even a TV show based on Lethal Weapon. Apparently, and... <laughs> it's super popular because why else would they go through the trouble of? recasting when the other guy was such a terrible person that they had to fire him i mean i i'm i have so many questions uh first of all i wonder if uh damon wayne said i'm getting too old for this shit <laughs> he probably did <laughs> and had to just walk off set um so who was the original riggs uh it's this australian i think he was australian no i don't know if he's australian or not he's just a, he was an actor I've seen him in a few things, but uh, I guess from the from the rumors or the stories, the reports is that he was just really terrible to be around on set. Like he was a complete diva and a little douchey about everything, and like he got into a fight with uh with the studio about the show, and you know he he either he walked off or they fired him. Either way, he didn't come back for season three, and uh, they got Sean William Scott to come in. I think it was season three. They got Sean William Scott to come in to play the new character that's supposed to be replacing his character. And now, uh, David Wayans came on and it was in an interview that he made the announcement. Like, I, I guess the, the studio that puts on lethal weapon, the other actors on the show didn't know that he was going to be leaving. They found out through this interview also. Sounds like that he had a, he had a pretty rough year though. So, uh, that's the his reasoning behind it that you know that he didn't want to come back. Oh, he had real life stuff affecting it. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that sucks. So, uh, 
it's hard it's hard for me to play this loving supportive father husband friend on tv but the but the guy in life that is telling everyone i can't i have to work so he just he wasn't he wasn't around. i think his his something about his mother was in the hospital and his daughter was in the hospital and then you know or or a couple of relatives you know i, I forget who it was he was some some people were in the hospital and it, it, it's just it was really hard for him not to be there for the people wow well that's unfortunate i wonder if they're gonna just replace riggs and Murtal together then and just have two new cops maybe that's like that's like uh do you remember the man show they had yeah. <laughs> adam carolla and uh jimmy, jimmy kimmel. kimmel and then they replaced it with with doug stanhope and someone else uh, the other guy from like matt tv or something is that what it was i think so uh and that show just did not do well. No, it, it really lost something once those two left the show. It's mm-hmm. like you kind of watched it more for them than <laughs> the content. Uh, uh, so yeah, that, that's uh, that's what's going on over there. So uh, Netflix went ahead and uh, bought the rights to all of the Chronicles of Narnia uh, stories. Now they're gonna make some TV series. Uh, they're gonna make a new TV series and a new movie or movies. How yeah, how do you feel about that? I don't know if the Chronicles of Narnia is really like the property that people are just clamoring for to just keep making new content <laughs> with. I mean, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe was okay. Uh huh. Um, I think I might have watched part of the second one prince caspian or whatever it right. was and i was really underwhelmed it's like whatever and then and there's the voyage of the dawn treader which is the third one uh which is got made into a movie but mm-hmm. i think there's what eight books altogether, something like that six or eight yeah so i mean obviously there was more that they could have done is this netflix's answer to game of thrones at HBO and uh, Lord of the Rings over at Amazon. Maybe they're just looking to see what's the next big uh, sci-fi or fantasy property that we can adapt. I mean, if they're doing that, somebody should really do Dune already. Ah, yes. Well, you got um, what's his name? Vinny V. And yeah, he's making the movie. Yeah, not soon enough though. <laughs> it takes and, I mean, time. Dune adaptations. So far, I mean. They've been some imaginative adaptations, but it's just one of those properties that's so dense that you can never cram it or do it justice in two hours. Even three hours probably would be pushing it. Probably. Yeah. I mean, it's just way too much. And that's just one of, like, again, several, several books. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I don't know. Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, it's, it's a cute series. I just don't, I mean... All Christian allegory aside, it's just very meh for me. Okay. You know, it's like Santa Claus is an actual character that appears in the series. <laughs> and then you have a talking lion that's a metaphor for Jesus. Right. I'm like, okay, so just adapt the Bible already. We have, uh, I mean, we have a few other, I feel like there's a few other storylines that uh, could could also be do well uh, in uh, serial form, live action form like that. But 
I'd love to see like a Percy Jackson series adapted. Okay. I would find more interest in that just because I really love Greek mythology. Um, that would be a good one to to adapt in that sense. Or um, I don't know. There's just a lot of properties. I just feel like we've already seen Narnia stuff, mm. like something new. Like mm. we've already seen Lord of the Rings. Like they're not going to do anything more, I don't think, with that series that hasn't already been done pretty well. I mean, and of course, there were changes that they had to make in order to condense the books. Like, they had to cut on an, an entire character and subplot in the original Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship, mm-hmm. uh, f- because it just wouldn't make any sense in a movie to have this random character that pops up and could potentially be God or their version of God. Right. So, I don't know. It's just... Something else. Come on. Adapt something new. Well, here you go. Another set of books that's being adapted over, but this but now over at Amazon. Uh, the Wheel of Time fantasy, super popular fantasy novel uh, series is going to be adapted into live action. So, you know, they're going to have yet another property that will deal with uh, sci-fi f- uh, fantasy. Do you, I know you. We think we talked about this a little bit off off air. We don't. Neither one of us really knows all that much about these uh, Robert Jordan books, but I know that they are very popular amongst the sci-fi geeks that really like those dense uh, types of stories. Mm. See, I, I feel like this is another one of those like how I ended up being where. Uh, when it came to Ender's Game or Dune, like I never read or you know had anything to do with either one of those books, but it was always a thing that oh, a bunch of other people that I associate with were always into them. So yeah, and the thing with the Ender's Game books is that I think at some point the author kind of didn't have any more ideas or to write, so he essentially just rewrote the first couple of stories from a different character's point of view uh, and then he he totally jumped the shark by then saying that a lot of the things that the hero does were actually either suggested or put into motion by this other character mm. it was a very kind of like wolverine the end where it turns out his oh, right, secret right. brother was pushing things from behind the scenes all along manipulating him the whole yeah, way yeah and i'm like when you get to that kind of storytelling it's like you're you're just out of ideas <laughs> you know, you're just, it's, it was like i think i brought this up before but i watched i don't know why probably cuz i have a little kid i watched the uh the puss in boots animated movie uh-huh. which the quality was more of direct to video but i think they realized hey we could probably pass this off as live as a cinematic or whatever and they had that exact same plot line where zach galifianakis played humpty dumpty and then you find out at the end that he was actually in the background of a lot of pivotal scenes which he totally wasn't because <laughs> i did watch the movie again at some point again because i have a little kid and I was like, oh, man, that's BS. That character was totally not there. They just redid the scene and inserted him in there later. And I guess that was the joke. So shame on me for double looking. But, <laughs> yeah, I hate it when they do that. When it's like, oh, all along, you thought you were master of your own fate. But I was pulling the strings. And So you just do not like that writing tactic, I that story like plot. That. No. I also don't like amnesia as a plot point to not oh. reveal information. All right. Yes. I'm very particular with my fiction. Fair enough. Uh, okay, so 
Ryan Reynolds has uh, teamed with Sean Levy to make this movie called Free Guy. So 20th Century Fox has attached Ryan Reynolds to star in Free Guy with Sean Levy or... Yeah, sure, I'm sure it's Levy. Poised to direct the film. Um, the idea behind this movie, I thought, also sounded incredible. So I had to talk about this. Free, Go- Free Guy, acquired as a Matt Lieberman spec in 2016, is in the vein of, of The Truman Show, where a bank teller stuck in his routine discovers he's a background character in a rather brutal open-world live uh, action-adventure video game, and he is the only one capable of saving his world. Oh, uh, yeah, so uh, um, NPC, basically. Yeah, he's an NPC at a at a bank, and I guess he becomes aware that he's in a video game. That's awesome. It's I either that, that or he's... Is it going to be like a gamer kind of thing? Like, Actually, I'm thinking... I'm thinking more like um, Stranger Than Fiction. Oh, oh, okay. With Will Ferrell. Right, right. Where like a character realizes he's just a story character. Right. Uh, but in this case, he's not even like the main character. No. He's literally just the background person that has a menial task. Uh huh. So I'm I'm intrigued by that. And you know, so, so was I. That's why I thought it would be. It's got to be interesting. I yeah, definitely got to check it out. I mean, just all the things that come from realizing that a you're not important, so you don't really matter. But B, at the same time, how liberating that can be and how you can do whatever you want at that point. Like maybe he just realizes he like he became unshackled from his existence. <laughs> I mean, I guess if you can realize that you're the NPC, if you if you if you can realize it, it's kind of freeing. It, I mean, I guess it's like the 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 cave allegory. You know, if you realize that you're actually chained to a uh, to the floor of a cave and all you're seeing is the shadows of the real world and that becomes your reality yeah and then you you've now freed yourself and you can see what what there really is what's causing the shadows and all mm-hmm. that. yeah that'd be interesting hmm. I, I i like the the fascinating and dark philosophical implications of this <laughs> <laughs> yes yes very true uh, how do you feel about the, the live act disney live action remakes of all their animated movies um they've been more missed than hit for me okay like i i was i came out of maleficent a little bit traumatized Ooh, that movie was like really dark <laughs> in a weird way um the beauty and the beast i was just kind of like ah, i don't know if uh emma watson can really hit those notes <laughs> but um and then the Cinderella one, which I feel like came and went. And I don't think I even watched that one. Yeah, yeah the Alice in Wonderland. Was that even? I don't think that was Disney. Was it Disney? It had to have been Disney with Johnny Depp, right? Yeah, Johnny Depp and Burton was directing. Yeah, but does Burton usually do Disney stuff? Yeah. I mean, he's doing Dumbo. Yeah, there you go. Oh, well, there's another one that's going to be worth That's going to be coming out, yeah. And then uh, there's supposed to be an, a Little Mermaid. There's the Aladdin with Guy Ritchie, which I'm excited about. Yeah. There was Jungle Book, which everybody really loved. Yeah. I didn't see it. I haven't seen it, but I heard it was actually really good. Yeah. Yeah, and then you got Night uh, Lion King also coming out. Oh yeah. But now we're getting into uh, the 2000s with Lilo and Stitch, a movie that came out in 2002, and that's going to be getting a live action re- remake. I'm on board for this one. Yeah. I I would like to see a live action Stitch. <laughs> and see how that plays out. 
that sci-fi element to it. Right. As a matter of fact, we were watching when we were watching uh, the Predator. Uh-huh. Uh Myself and a coworker, um, watching it in a state of high uh, intoxication, uh, determined that uh, this actually followed the plot of uh, Lilo and Stitch a bit more. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I guess so. You're right. So yeah, I'd be like totally down to watch it, and even if it's like. If they make it, maybe even kind of push it towards a PG thirteen and make Stitch like actually kind of violent and scary. <laughs> like you don't know, like he could actually rip someone's arm off or something. Because yeah, he was. That's one of his things, right? Like he's like omnivorous, basically. Like he tries to eat everything, basically. Oh, okay. I think so. So like, like Nibbler, from Futurama. yeah, <laughs> kind of. Yeah, I, I get that vibe from him. Or at, at the very least, he tries to like. You know, tries to eat a boot he'll spit it back out but the whole thing will go in his mouth so that'd be kind of neat if you like you know somebody sees him and says hey what what's this thing and they try to pick it up and it you know bites their arm off that'd be kind of cute <laughs> <laughs> someone getting disfigured and dismembered you think is kind of cute a little bit yeah well because then he had those big you know disney eyes yeah he did have those big disney you know. eyes uh i i don't know i i don't i don't think uh I, I don't know if i've actually seen lilo and stitch or if i've just seen parts of it or what i know that they had a lot of straight to video sequels and they even had a tv show at one point they did have a tv show that's right so so there's a lot of lore there that they can pull from yeah yeah i just like the fact that it's like it, it's it has a very heavy sci-fi element to it very much so um i think more than any other disney property yeah i think the only other one close to that would be like maybe atlantis oh that's right so where's that one why did, right if they're making the other 90s ones why well would... because now aquaman's taking their thunder from that or oh, <laughs> yeah, okay you're gonna have two competing atlantises <laughs> atlanti maybe atlanti okay uh yeah so lilo and stitch look for that one come out as a live action cgi hybrid i think the biggest question at that point is that will that be a theater release like Dumbo or will it be a Disney streaming app like uh, Lady and the Tramp? Oh, uh, yeah, they're doing that too, huh? Janelle yes. Monet, I believe, is attached. She, yeah, she's going to be playing one of uh, Lady's friends or one of Tramp's friends. I don't remember who. Oh, uh, yeah, I, I think I could probably picture which one. There's kind of like a sleepy looking Yeah, yeah, lady that dog. one. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, Birds of Prey, we talked about that last... I think we talked about it last week, or maybe it was the week before, where they were talking to several actresses to play the main roles, uh, main characters in the movie. And uh, since then, they cast uh, Ramona, uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, yes. as Huntress, and Journey Smollett-Bell as uh, Black Canary. And Ruby Rose is Batwoman. Well, that's on the TV show. Oh, okay. So yeah, not 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 quite the same. Okay. But now they've also went and cast our detective Renee Montoya, and it's going to be Rosie Perez. Now this character is she the one that's also no that's Ramirez I think. Yeah. I was thinking of the Dark Knight. Yeah, and and they're kind of very similar characters. They're uh, I, I think. Because I don't believe there's a Ramirez in the comic books. They essentially just made Renee Montoya into Ramirez. Uh, Renee Montoya is a detective. She works in uh, Commissioner Gordon's, well, first Captain Gordon's, uh, you know, squad 
and then works directly with Commissioner Gordon. Uh, even in the comic books, eventually she becomes the question. She had a relationship, a, a on-again, off-again relationship with Kate Kane, who is Batwoman. So there's that. But yeah, we have her. We have Rosie Perez being cast as Renee Montoya. And I don't know how I feel about this. I don't have any problems with with uh, Rosie Perez at all. I just feel like since they cast such an uh, older actress to play the character, they're gonna have Renee Montoya as the, like the one that's trying to mentor all the other superheroes on the team. And I just don't see that for the character of Renee Montoya. She's not. That's not the kind of character that I've always I've ever seen her as, so it, it seems out of tone for me. Uh, but that you know that also is the one last character that they have to to cast, I believe. Well, they have two characters, that, but of the Birds and Prey, they're supposed to do a orphan or Cassandra Kane character, and we'll see if who they get to play that mm-hmm. that character. The other big uh, rumor is that either Ewan McGregor or Sholto Copley will be playing Black Mask, who is the who's who is said to be the villain of the movie. Oh, that's a cool casting uh, choice. I I love both of those, but I kind of really want to see Ewan McGregor as the Black Mask. That would be a very interesting choice as well. Yeah, I'm kind of torn. I think I want to give it to Sholto as if I had some um, say. You know, yeah, but uh, I don't know. I really like that dude. I feel like he's woefully underused. I've liked he him is. in almost everything that he's done. Everything. Kind of going back to Maleficent, he played the king in that right. one, which was a really odd choice. Um, so yeah, I I don't know. I just I I don't know. I don't. I'm not really excited of uh, for Rosie Perez to play this role. Uh, but I, I guess I have to wait and see. I will say this. I think it's about time that all three main characters of White Men Can't Jump have finally made the jump over to comic book movies. Oh my goodness, you're right. I didn't <laughs> think about that. Uh, is Venom the first mo- comic book movie for Woody Harrelson? Has he, has he done any other ones? Uh, I believe that's... Uh, yeah, that would be his first one. I mean, he was in Solo, but that's not really comic book right. related directly. Um, so yeah, I think that's his first, uh, major, major, well, spoiler alert for <laughs> the it's movie not, review of Venom that we're going to be doing. We, it will be a spoiler filled episode, but yeah. it's, I mean, everybody knew that he was in the movie. Just no one knows what role he's playing. All right. Well, you're going to find out. You will later. find out later. <laughs> so last story I want to talk about is a missing character from Game of Thrones last season, last two seasons. Last season, I think he was in a couple of scenes the season prior when uh, Jon Snow came back to life. We'll finally show up in uh, season eight. It is Jon Snow's direwolf ghost. Yes. He's been missing. Has he just been kicking around Castle Black? They referenced him a couple times during the last season. Mm -hmm. But yes, he was completely gone. Um, It's, I want to say... just based on how the episodes were filmed, it could be implied that he's currently uh, at Castle Black, essentially. Um, he should have left with Jon Snow towards Winterfell, 
But uh, yeah, he was never actually shown. So um, hopefully this means that Ghost is is definitely going to be integral to the story. Mm-hmm. As many fans have speculated that... Uh, Bran? Uh, you know, Bran and the, who is now the Three-Eyed Raven. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, the, the Snow's importance is very symbolic. Snow uh, or Ghost? Uh, what did I say, Snow? You said Snow. I said Snow, yeah. Uh, ghost, is, okay. his presence is very symbolic. Um, primarily because... Um, Whenever a bastard gets, uh, what was the word? Uh, not authenticated, but like recognized right. or whatever that you know, their lineage gets uh, confirmed. Mm-hmm. Then um, usually what they do is they take their original sigil, and then they invert the colors. Right. So the sigil for the Starks is a gray direwolf on a white background. So for for Jon Snow, it'd this be a means white wolf with a gray background yes which again ties in with uh ghost how he looks and so uh, when when ned stark found all those that den of dire wolf pups or whatever and gave them to each one of his kids it was very lucky that one of them was an albino and turned out to be white yeah and it happened to be that Jon snow found that one too oh and says all right well that one's yours and they call it the runt that's right. Which is what they consider Jon Snow to be anyway. So, <laughs> yeah, that's... Um, I mean, yeah, there was a lot of symbolism in that, that whole scene right there with the fact that uh, uh, basically a, a great uh, deer had killed a, a dire wolf mm-hmm. by gutting it. and uh, Oh, wow. Yeah, and basically led all of its children like to starve, essentially, or left for dead. Um, Wait, who's the stag? The stag would have it's been the Baratheons, Baratheons right? Yeah. Which, I guess, technically, uh, Joffrey is a Baratheon. Technically, but yeah, the the Baratheons were either directly or indirectly responsible for the deaths of many Starks. Yeah. Um. So yeah, there's a lot of interesting uh, imaging that George R. R. Martin likes to do, and if he'll just finish typing the damn book so we can read it already. <laughs> we can get all caught up with uh, what's going on in the books as well. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, there you go. Ghost will return in season eight. Maybe, well, I guess you can't really make it into the spinoff show, so. Probably not. I'm not <laughs> counting on a lot of characters to survive after this. Uh, all right. Do you want to talk about uh, Venom? You know what? I have a few things to say. Okay, let, let's let's get this off of your chest now. Uh, bear in mind, we just told you this, but to tell you it again, there are going to be spoilers here. If you haven't watched Venom yet, turn the podcast off now. Come back later after you've watched it. All right. So, my initial impressions: I didn't hate this movie. I was entertained by this movie, but most of the time, I was laughing at the movie, not laughing with it. Really? Yes. Okay. Uh, I thought the characterizations of the main characters, because apparently now the symbiote is also a character, was very wrong. It mm. felt like they were trying to mimic the relationship between Deadpool and Dopinder. Oh, okay. Whereas uh, you would have Deadpool as Wade basically telling him, no, you shouldn't be doing this. And he'll switch to his like deeper voice and like, you know what to do. Right. That's exactly what was going on with Brock and Venom, like, most of the movie. And it was like, let me handle this. I'll take care of this. Mm-hmm. Like, what are you doing? Why are you, you know, whatever. It's like, 
Okay, so I'm going to go straight into nitpicking. Okay. It's a symbiote, not a parasite. Okay. I think they refer to it more as a parasite throughout the movie than they do as a symbiote. Now, the symbiote is supposed to lay over his body, not go inside his body. (laughs) The symbiote is supposed to mimic his clothing, not shoot through it and then be able to absorb itself back in through it like it's liquid. Okay. The symbiote is not liquid. It is an organism. It is solid. It can t- change shapes and do all this other cool stuff, but it is not like permeable. Mm-hmm. It's just. It should not talk. It should not have a voice. It is pure id. All it it feeds. Well, off that of, literally, literally, it is pure id. But I think in the the way that it's shown is that it is its own entity which it shouldn't be it shouldn't have i mean I'm i think that, that it's it changed be. since the last time you've read a, a venom comic book though and it's been wrong since then. <laughs> oh okay i think well okay so they kind of do something similar with uh spider-man 2 and doc ock mm-hmm. it i don't know if it came across clearly in the movie but the tentacles are talking to him yeah and that's why he needed the neuroblocker chip, yeah. whatever thing, to make it so that they so that they wouldn't overpower his brain or something. Mm-hmm. Now, in the comic book adaptation of the movie, and in the book adaptation of the movie, you actually get a little bit more insight into like the inner conversations that they have. It's not so much conversations as more like ideas. Right. They don't tell him, "Hey, go to the bank and steal this money." Blah blah blah. All they do is they give him the feeling of, "Hey, we need." we need to finish this you know we need to do whatever we can to finish this project like those tentacles apparently only lived to complete that science project um so he then felt compelled to do whatever he needed to do you know the basically the ends justified the means which is why he became a bank robber which is whatever that's sam raimi movie um i feel like giving venom an entire character was the wrong way to do Venom because Venom isn't really a character. Well, Venom, the character, is the combination of the symbiote and Brock. Mm -hmm. In here, Venom was his own character and then you have Brock. And it's like Brock should have basically gone into the agreement of we're going to work together for our equal goal, in this case, not Spider-Man, of I guess saving the world because now Venom decided that he likes our planet yeah. and he wants to like live in it because on his planet he's a loser. Yeah. I'm like, what? And then he's like, Well, here I could be much more and like so can you, Eddie, you know. I love the way he says Eddie by the way. Like, Eddie. <laughs> Which is also Tom Hardy doing a voice. Yeah. I mean I'll give him props for that. It was, <laughs> it was very entertaining to watch him talk to himself basically. But I just didn't like that characterization where it's like two different people basically fighting for control of the same body. Like that should never have been the case uh, with Brock. Brock should have welcomed Venom from the get-go and they became a we. Now the difference lies with other characters like Carnage, for instance, which we'll get more into a little later, is that Carnage was so insane and so fully uh, enveloped in the symbiote that Carnage became a whole new entity. Like, there was no longer a Cletus Cassidy. It was just Carnage. Mm-hmm. And that's why he always referred to himself as I, whereas Venom always refers to himself as we, because it's always him and Brock. Mm-hmm. Now, 
that brings me to my second nitpick or third. Without any association to the vent to the Spider-Man pantheon, why does he even have an Earth name of Venom? I mean, I can understand if it's like a Superman scenario where, like, in his native alien tongue, maybe that means hope or something. And then in our human language, it it just happens to sound like the word for Venom. Right. But, I mean, at the very least, if he actually had Venom, like, he doesn't sting or bite people except to eat them. But he doesn't have any, like, neurotoxin or any poison or whatever. So why be named Venom? And why have another character be named Riot? And why did they not name or provide us with the names of the other symbiotes that didn't survive? I wanted to know if one of those guys' names was some other uh, adjective or noun, like like scuba. Verb. Yeah, like maybe there was one called running. You know, maybe they're like Indian names. You earn it. Oh, okay. So like that's why their alpha, you know, Riot just... Just a really funny guy. <laughs> Maybe Venom was a shit talker, and that's why he had that name. I don't know. I just i i didn't i i hated that they just tried to shoehorn in all of this. It I feel like they're assuming that we know who Venom is, mm-hmm. which is a bad way to write a screenplay. It is. It's it was just you know oh here's a character you know this is just a completely new situation that's completely removed from everything else but also taking your baggage that you already have of him because in this particular case original origin of venom notwithstanding they adapted the animated series origin Mm -hmm. which was astronauts basically brought back samples from space that happened to contain the symbiotes and they got loose on earth i did appreciate that they threw a nod out to uh, jonah jameson's son right uh who uh was the astronaut that was piloting the ship. Yes, and who, uh, I guess, in uh, other canon also becomes a different character called Manwolf. Right. Um, so that was kind of a neat little nod. I'm like, oh, cool, you know. But nobody else would know that. I mean, <laughs> that's definitely uh, a deep cut of an Easter egg right there because the only other time we've seen that character was in Spider-Man 2. Three. Three? No, two. Yeah. Yes, it two. was two. Yeah, when Mary Jane was going to marry him. Yes, and... Um, they, I think they make a mention that he that he's an astronaut or some yep. kind of hero. Mm-hmm. He's but, the first person to play football on the moon. Yeah, and so that was that was basically it. Like, there's no other reference that he ever had any issues or that he came back with the case of the, the. Well, there is the one part in the movie when they're going to save Mary Jane, and he jumps from the dock to the boat, and you can see that he does it. He dump, he jumps a great distance with ease. So a lot of a lot of people were saying, "Oh, that's kind of." That's kind of throwing out there that there is something different about him, that either there it's the man-wolf thing or uh, something else. They should have thrown a thing out there saying, like, hey, like, well, why haven't you shaved? And I was like, oh, I did. It's just coming back real fast or something. Right. You know, just something like that. But anyway, so, I mean, original origin of Venom is that he was found by, spy, by Peter Parker on the Beyonders planet when they had the Secret Wars. Right. And uh, at that time, uh, Spider-Man's suit was all torn to shreds. Mm -hmm. The black suit got on him. He was like, oh, cool. This thing replaces my suit, and it's black, and I don't have to use my own webbing now. This thing can make its own webbing. That's awesome. So it was, like, for convenience, and I heard the whole story, too. Like, the the behind-the-scenes, they paid some kid, like, 250 bucks for the rights to use a black suit Spider-Man because some kid came up with the idea. Mm. And then... uh, like other people then kind of fleshed it out more and McFarlane drew him and all that stuff. So whatever. 
this movie has nothing, <laughs> absolutely nothing to do with Spider-Man. None. Not a single mention. Nope. No references of any kind. This doesn't even take place in the same continuity or universe, apparently. Nope. So, that being said, why would Venom look like Venom? You know, that's another one of my nitpicks. He he should have really no real shape, um, other than just covering somebody entirely in its own skin. He has he has the humanoid shape because he's on top of a human. Uh, the head, who knows that? I mean, obviously that has to do something with their and base the of planets. eyes apparently. And the and the I eyes. I mean, when they're liquid form, they don't have any shape really. So why would it then have a humanoid shape head and? But still have like a giant maw of teeth and crazy white eyes that, I mean, just don't really seem to make any sense. And like, why can his, uh, all his his other uh, his nemesis, I guess, for lack of a better word, in this movie, be able to shoot projectiles from his skin and turn his arms into bladed weapons when apparently Venom cannot. The most Venom can do, besides just being strong and be able to regenerate Eddie Brock's body. Which I think is kind of a newer thing. I don't think I remember that from the original. Mm-mm. Like he didn't have like a healing factor. No. But it's very convenient for <laughs> it, what very. happens in the movie. Yeah. Well, I don't. I don't understand why uh, Venom wouldn't be able to do exactly the same thing. At this point, it's basically like their T one thousands. Well, could, I mean, I think that that's the reason. I, I would say that has to do with the whole like I'm kind of a loser thing on my home planet. Like maybe he just doesn't have the ability to do certain things, or maybe that's why Riot is an alpha. I mean, uh, okay, so I, I, do you have another, more on your list of nitpicks? Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's see. Language. Okay. Let's see. It's changed to strangers. You need different, different character. Uh, then... Now, basically, my next one would have been the mid-credits teaser. So uh, I'll go ahead and let you interject, and then we can get around to that. So your your list of, of nitpicking, uh, you're not wrong. <laughs> these are <laughs> these are all flaws in the storytelling ability of this movie. Oh, thanks for reminding me. Uh, my last point okay. is for convenience of the story, uh, there are some very illogical actions that take place in this movie primarily with the way that things would be handled in like a real world setting right uh you have a scene where eddie brock is acting really cuckoo bananas in a like a fancy (laughs) restaurant i mean right down to like just being a public nuisance and being like disrupting the peace you would think at the very least you know police would show up to interrogate him or something no all that happens after even after he jumps into a tank of live lobsters and starts to eat one raw (laughs) Is oh he just his next scene is he's at the hospital and uh, his ex fiance's new boyfriend who happens to be a doctor is now basically giving him a free MRI. And I say like, all right, we're gonna get you checked out, you know, make sure everything's okay, and uh, like that's it. There's just there was no uh, interrogation by police, no scene where they say oh he's my patient, I'm treating him or whatever like you can release him to me he's like you know my ward or something nothing it's just one scene to the next now he's at the hospital you know like and um pretty much with anything having to do with the science i understand that the the main bad guy who's kind of like an elon musk type character Mm -hmm. uh like super genius has like all kinds of different philanthropic and scientific endeavors is actually kind of an evil 
person, right? A mad scientist. Um, all kinds of things happen, and there's just no follow up of any kind that you would think. I mean, there's no quarantine procedures. There's no, <laughs> like, he has his own like hitman squad apparently. That's just like a black ops team or mercenary team. They're private security. Um, the character of Riot or the symbiote named Riot. Um, I believe the it, well. First of all, the ship crash lands in like Malaysia. Mm-hmm. We have a time jump of six months. It took that other character six months to get from Malaysia to San Francisco, mm-hmm. and for most of that six months, it looks like it's in the same person that we see him the last time in. Right. Just just to get to the airport. Just to get to the airport at in the airport. Malaysia somewhere. Yeah. And, and like I, I have this fan theory in my head that like maybe it, he kept living as this old lady selling noodles <laughs> in the market in uh, Malaysia, and it's like man, I gotta keep working till I have enough money to buy a plane ticket. <laughs> I mean, otherwise it just makes no sense. I mean, like technically, if it would have been like walking and swimming to San Francisco during that time, I could see that. Like if somehow felt the call of the other symbiotes, or like it kind of just knew the general direction. Otherwise, it doesn't make sense how in the hell that this thing knew how to get to where it needed to go other than the fact that it just looked at like the logo of the astronaut that it was originally in possession of, mm-hmm. which was Jameson. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it, was, it was called Life, the Life, uh, Life Foundation. Foundation. Yeah. So it's like, okay, I need to go to this place. It took him six months. <laughs> like, why? I also, okay, so now that you're done once again, yeah, I think is, I'm done is that... Uh, Oh, well, that with that specifically, I, I think that it it took on the memories of whoever it is that they attached to. So that's how you're able to have them speak English for one, uh, know where to go, what they need to do, kind of stuff to to move around. But look, I don't want to sit here and defend this movie. It's not <laughs> it's not a it's not a movie that's worth defending. I did enjoy myself watching this movie. I went into it. With low expectations and knowing that it was going to be a lot more comedic than the the source material calls for. Don't you think it was a little too comedic, though? I mean... Or it attempted to be? No, I don't think it was too comedic because I thought it was going to be a comedy movie. I was fine with it. Well, but would that have been the right tone for this movie? No, it's not. But that's what I'm saying is that they went in a completely different direction than anything you've I've ever read for, for Venom. So... And I could tell that from the trailer. So I was like, oh, well, this is obviously just going to be something completely different. And since I have no real deep connection to Venom, because I just don't think it's a good character in the first place, I think it's, it's, a, it's a product of the 90s of, hey, everything needs to be black and dark and we need to be gritty and we need to destroy stuff and, and bite things and, and, and rip arms off because that's how superheroes act. So it's just that's just another 90s comic book thing. That's that's Venom. Venom is. I mean, I know technically Secret Wars was in the eighties, but yeah, but Venom didn't actually debut till like ninety one or ninety two. So there you go. Yeah. It's, it's, that's that's how I feel about that whole thing. I think that you had a great performance, or as best as he could do, from Tom Hardy. I think Michelle Williams came in there and got herself a paycheck. She phoned it in. She really so did. Like, I really feel like she's like, I can't believe I'm doing this movie. Uh, just, you know, get me in and out as fast as I can. Riz Ahmed 
Is that his name? Riz Ahmed, yes. Yeah. Which, by the way, I know I finally figured out where I recognize him from. Where you recognize him from? He was Bodhi in Rogue One. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. I completely didn't recognize I recognized him, but I couldn't like you couldn't place put him. two and two together, yeah. I don't really know what he was doing in this movie. Like, I think that he was doing a different movie than what the director wanted. He was so soft spoken. There was no malice in him. It yeah, like I don't exactly understand. Like we got absolutely nothing about his character. Like why is he malicious? Why does he, does it does he just want money? Does he just want to he is he really that fascinated with finding a planet where they can survive? Yeah, it sounded like he was on the ex- on the extreme end of the we need to explore so we can save our species, but at, at there was like no real motivation behind it because he was I mean, the plot needed him to be the bad guy, so he did bad things, but it was just really unjustified. Yeah, it's, it really is. And then you have Jenny Slate's character, who is this, you know, scientist that eventually sees the error of her ways and tries to get her boss, Riz Ahmed, like, caught. But she ends up dying halfway through the movie and nothing is ever done with her her character like it's just done this movie is gonna come and go and we might get a sequel we might not maybe a sequel will will help flesh out some of the problems that this movie had well they very subtly hinted at a sequel oh i mean superhero movies comic book movies are always going to hint at a sequel (laughs) they have no idea if it's going to do well or not except for marvel movies now they they know marvel movies are always going to do well but there's no they have no real indication so they have to set up stuff for a sequel yeah this was almost as bad as the uh that end credit sequence for uh, Amazing Spider-Man 2 where you see all of the Sinister Six uh, Uniforms like gear, gear in the yeah. background. I'm like, oh, really? I mean, talk about spelling it out in this one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, I like I said, I, I, I've equated it to being a an action-packed, a more action-packed version of the mask. Uh, the Right down to the at one point the symbiote also taking control of a dog yes yes exactly it's 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 almost like i feel like whoever wrote this didn't realize subconsciously they were rewriting the mask yeah <laughs> like that they they saw that and they were like oh that's i wanted to call good... this movie a boy and his symbiote <laughs> and it just <sighs> The motivations for Eddie's character is also very muddled. Like, he wants the symbiote gone from him for so long, and then he's okay with the symbiote. Like, I, I get that it's it, it saves his life a bunch of times, but it there's no real turn point. And then, yeah, when the, the Venom, when Venom's like, hey, I want to stay here. I want to be the the big fish in the small pond kind of speech that he gives. It's just like, but why? It he, There's no point in the movie where... It's like the same thing that happened in the Suicide Squad. It's like, there's no point in this movie that you've shown me that would be like, hey, I've changed my ways or I see a, I see a better way or, hey, uh, you know, being the good guy is going to help me out at this point. Like, 
Why is it that Riot says he needs to wait for Venom to go back to his home planet? If Venom's a loser, then why does it need him to be there? They've they also set up very very much in the movie that sound and fire hurt symbiotes. The last quarter of the movie takes place while a rocket ship is blasting off into uh or is launching. You know what comes with the with a launch of a rocket ship? <laughs> Sound and fire, and yet it doesn't seem to be affecting either one of the symbiotes. Well, except for when it's convenient, yeah. Right, until it's convenient. Yeah, I think uh, at one point Michelle Williams' character turns on or creates some kind of feedback. Right. And that kind of causes some temporary disruption. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, there was just the, 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 the attempt to use humor in this was just really like ill-conceived and it was just all over the place it was honestly i feel like this would have been an adaptation of a venom movie had it taken place in the archie universe <laughs> similar to that one punisher crossover right, that they had right where it's just like a little tongue-in-cheek like it's i mean yeah bad things happen but it's still played for laughs uh i mean like venom brutally dispatches most of the bad guys and they're all bad guys mm-hmm. you know there's no doubt about it because this venom will only hurt bad people right he's got a bit of a dexter streak well this is i mean that's also tom hardy's job he's supposed to be the jimmy cricket you know keeping him keeping venom in check how why how how does he keep venom in check why why is it solely because uh Eddie Brock is a good host, a, a great match for Venom, which just happened to be coincidental in, in all generality why the two of them met each other. But what what does he have over Venom to be like, hey, you can only hurt bad people and people that I say or else. Well, what's the or else? He's going to get rid of him? Eat his organs, apparently. I mean, that's what Venom will do to him. Yeah. But what what will Eddie do to to Venom to be like or else? So that's the maybe he'll like think really disgusting thoughts, just <laughs> that, pollute Venom. That's what the the downfall of this movie is: is that it's just <laughs> you have no real connection to any of the characters, and nor do you understand what what their motivations for anything are. Well, yeah, especially when you take away the crux of their relationship, which was a mutual hatred for a common foe, Spider-Man. Yeah. In this case, I mean, you don't even have the same Eddie Brock character that would have led to that. This guy was just uh, ambitious as a like ex- expose-type reporter, but just also really illogical, where you would think a seasoned veteran of reporting the way that he is supposed to be mm-hmm. would know better than to just charge in guns blazing in an interview and <laughs> right. start calling out like one of the most powerful men in America, apparently. Especially in the city that you work in. And without being able to disclose his sources, because that would also get his fiance in trouble, which it did anyway. Which, yeah, it did anyway. So, like, wow. Hey, like, maybe the lady that lives with this guy might have let so something leak out. This is one of the reasons why I say, like, uh, the movie has some points to it i laughed along with it i laughed at it and i didn't hate it i definitely would prefer to watch this again over the predator Um, (laughs) but it wasn't a good movie this is probably going to be one of those so bad is good this will probably be on how did this get made oh yeah it's so like random like somebody compared this to like oh it looks like we're going back to the days of like the first daredevil or like the ghost rider movie Mm. where like 
they just say, well, what's this character do? You know, like, oh, and like just take the most broad strokes approach of it. And, you know, and not only that, but also cut out like like making a Catwoman movie. Mm-hmm. I think that's the I've, I've heard that being tossed around quite a bit. Yeah, it's this like, is like the Halle Berry Catwoman. Yeah, yeah, where it's like it's 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 that character in name only. It has nothing to do with the source material. It's just that character in a different like a parallel universe, maybe. Yeah. As that, I mean, just like with other movies that we've watched where I'm like, this would have been fine if it was called something else. But don't call it Venom because this isn't Venom. So what did you think of directing or the CGI or uh, maybe even editing? Uh, I felt that the editing was wonky. It definitely felt well. And we know that they cut out like 40 minutes of the movie. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there was maybe a lot of those 40 minutes that they cut out included some of those uh, scenes that I'm talking about. where like, oh, yeah, here's a scene where the cops show up to interrogate Eddie. And, you know, he has to try to keep the symbiote under control not to eat the, the cop's heads or something. Um, but, yeah, the editing was really bad. I thought the action was good. Um, the CGI did get a little crazy towards the end, uh, especially since it took place at night with two characters that are primarily black. So it was a little hard to see mm-hmm. <laughs> um, what, they're, what, what they were up to. Plus, my failing eyesight is not doing me any favors right now. Right. So... Um, I would say that the for the most part, the action when it was lit well was good, like in the apartment complex. Um, it reminded me a little bit, and I haven't seen it yet, but some of the action scenes reminded me a little bit of Upgrade yes. with the other Tom Hardy clone. <laughs> with uh, Logan Marshall Green. Yes. who uh, I mean, it was almost kind of funny because Venom is not really supposed to control your body that, that exaggeratedly. Uh, as far as in, in my experience with Venom, I mean, like I said, it's it's obviously changed a lot in the 20 years since I've read Venom. Uh-huh. So um, I think that that was just kind of like, oh, well, we have to just do what the kids like these days, you know, and uh, to me, it just reminded me of Ratatouille, <laughs> when, uh, you know, Ratatouille is controlling Linguini and he's doing a lot of these. So like, whoop, excuse me, here I go. Whoop, never mind. Didn't mean to do that. Oh. <laughs> Coming through, you know, like he did a lot of that early on in the movie. You're so. right. You're right. Uh, so I, I would say the CGI I thought was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. Uh, obviously, the trailers, uh, it wasn't finished product yet. So it could have been a lot better. There's still the, the part where he exposes half of his head and says, we are Venom. Like, that still looks terrible. Uh, <laughs> the whole the tendril things, like when every time they came out of Venom, I, I it still upset me because I, I would rather see webbing but we're not going to get that because he's not spider-man well even in like some versions of of venom that i've seen they move away from him shooting webbing from the top of his arms or the top of his hands to um it being a bit more like yeah like his skin or like the symbiote body just kind of really stretching out which i was okay with that mm-hmm. i mean I, I i can deal with the the webbing being only being part of uh, like when he was Spider-Man, but in this case, since yeah, like you said, it has no affiliation with Spider-Man. Um, that's kind of how it looks in the Maximum Carnage video game. Like mm. he, it looks like he's just extending his arms, more like Mister Incredible, not Mister Incredible, Mister Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was thinking of the wrong franchise, but same idea. Yeah. Um. But uh, yeah, it's it's. I mean, I don't know, just. 
Okay, yeah. so uh, the last thing we want to talk about then is the the mid credit scene, uh, the 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 popping up of Woody Harrelson. For some reason, I. I I don't care for Venom. I care even less for Carnage, but people go gaga over fucking Carnage. And that's what you have. Eddie Brock now as a reporter again goes to goes to San Quentin prison and uh is is been requested by an inmate to interview him and he, he gets to the cell. He's told not to get too close. And it's got like a Hannibal Lecter thing going on. They got a Hannibal Lecter thing going on, and Woody Harrelson turns around and he's wearing this bright fucking orange wig, like Ronald McDonald hair. Yeah, and he says something to the fact of, "Oh, you know, this is this is going to be an interesting one. You know, they call me crazy. I or I can either do the whole crazy shtick for you, or we can just talk like normal people. Either way, it's it's good." And then Eddie says something to the effect of, you know, what is it that you want? And he goes, oh, I want, don't worry, when I get out of here, there's going to be carnage. And it's just like, that conversation makes absolutely no sense. It's literally them just working in the word carnage. We have to take in our own baggage and they count on that because they can't write a good standalone story with this premise. So, I mean, now here's my problem with this as well. So, originally... Again, this could have changed since then. But originally, the Venom symbiote was asexual. It could basically, like, bud off, uh, you know, offspring. And Mitosis. Yes. Isn't that uh, what it is? It get, kind of. It gets filled up so much, it just It just basically splits, yeah. Right. Like it has enough nutrients where it can go off into an, another entity. So, essentially... Car, uh, Venom does that. He splits off a smaller chunk that becomes an, a new symbiote. This symbiote somehow finds its way towards uh, Cletus Cassidy, and that becomes Carnage. Mm-hmm. That's also under the assumption that we're still dealing with evil Venom. Eventually, Spider-Man and Venom have to team up because Carnage is too evil for even the both of them to deal with, so they both have to team up. That's where you get Maximum Carnage and all that. In this case, A, we don't have Spider-Man, and B, this Carnage is kind of a good guy. Like, from the beginning, other than wanting to eat bad people, this Carnage is, I mean, he saved the world. Oh, you mean Venom? Or Venom, yes. Okay, I was like, wait, what are you talking about? I'm getting confused, yeah. Yeah, Venom. Uh, This Venom is a good guy. He's not even an anti-hero. Other than, like, he'll eat bad people, but essentially he's, like, being a Dexter now. The fact that you're still killing people makes him an anti-hero. Killing is is a bad thing. You should never do that. Is it, though? Yes. Okay. I'll take your word for that one. (laughs) Um, But still, there's no real justification now for... Like how is is it going to be the similar situation? Is there going to be? Are they going to say, well, one of the other symbiotes did get away? I think that's the way that you're going to get away. And then it's just going to happen to find its way to Cletus Cassidy because they determined somehow that like, oh, I need to get with the craziest batshit person on this. Planet. Well, they, I think they posit in this movie that uh, each symbiote has a perfect match out there, and they're drawn to that that match. So that it wasn't just the fact that it was a coincidence that. Uh, Eddie ended up in in the Life Foundation lab. Like they they were destined to become come to each other. Maybe because in the Life Foundation lab, we find out that there's a subplot where Riza Met's character, whose name I already can't remember. Um, nope, can't yep. remember either. <laughs> exactly. Um, 
there was this thing where they were recruiting like insane or poor people and they had no idea what they were homeless people yeah yeah so we see early on that uh james uh, james uh tom hardy's well brady brock is friends with the homeless lady Mm -hmm. and uh he'll like give her like he'll slip her a 20 just for holding a newspaper for him or whatever um, and then later on, when he breaks into the lab with the help of Jenny Slater's character, right. Slate, Slate. Um, she happens to be in the lab and the Venom symbiote is in her. Right. So, I mean, and this is maybe giving too much credit to the writers, but maybe it's assuming that the symbiote took her memories and realized that Eddie Brock is like one of the few good people in this life right. that this woman's known mm-hmm. when it joins with him. It's like... You know, oh, you're you're this guy. You're the you're a good guy. I want to work with you on this then, and you know, so go go from there. I still feel like I'm giving them way too much credit <laughs> by making that assumption. But well, that, that's what you like you said. There's a lot of assumption and, and stuff that we have to do on our own part to to make this movie work. I uh, so uh, like I said, last thoughts is that I enjoyed it. Would I recommend people go see this in the theater? No. Wait yeah. for the red bo- red box. Wait, wait for it to come on streaming somewhere. Then check it out. Um, just go into it just knowing that it's not, it's not a dark horror thriller that the trailer tries to sell it as. It is a comedy action. It is, it is more in the vein of Ant-Man than it is in the vein of... Logan. So I would say a, a PG thirteen Deadpool just because of the interactions between Eddie and the symbiote. Fair enough. Now I would I would actually venture to say that the less you know about Venom or comic books in general, the more you might actually like this movie. Yeah, probably. If you're just completely detached and have no I mean, you might not get some of those smaller references. Um like I think somebody pointed out, like, oh, there's a girl wearing a hoodie that kinda looks like Spider Gwen. And I was like, oh yeah, I could kind of see that. I don't, I, I, I hate that. Like Those little references. No, no. Just when people look when for people that. make make that assumption, like, like in Dark Knight, when he's like, hey, would uh, would would this armor be able to protect me against dogs? And he's like, well, maybe against cats. And then like, oh, everybody's like, that means Catwoman's coming. Yes, Catwoman did come in the next movie, but there's no way that line is referring to cat to Catwoman. Now, I thought you were going to reference the part where... Uh, it's just a girl wearing a hoodie. Yeah. Like <laughs> People wear hoodies. It's not a thing. Yeah, but this is a Marvel movie. It's not a Marvel movie. It's a Sony movie. Well, it's an association with Marvel. No, it's a Sony movie that that uses a Marvel character. It's it, Spider-Man, Homecoming, and Far From Home are Sony movies that are in association with Marvel Studios. Well, if you want to get all pedantic, about I do. It, I there's sure. <laughs> there's a difference, and you can tell why. Yeah, stop putting stock in Sony people. Do it in Marvel only. <laughs> Actually, would they even have their own separate? Stock I don't know. Now? I would say that the Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse looks like it's going to be a pretty great movie, and that's all Sony right there. Yeah, I'm actually after that little. Well, I guess. If anybody stays after the credits, there's no the stinger for the actual movie. Not for or, Venom, no. No, but there is like a, a pretty good like five minute clip of uh, Into the Spider Verse, which was uh, interesting. And honestly, I think Venom will show up in the Into the Spider Verse. And if it's any, if they're smart, if Sony's smart, they will include Tom Hardy in the doing the voiceover work for that Venom char- character. Why not? I mean, they might as well. Yeah. 
So, uh, all right. Anything else you want to say before we sign off? Um, I guess kind of on the same vein as you, I didn't hate the movie. It's just, it's just not worth watching. There you go. I, this is probably the best thing. That should go up right there on their poster. <laughs> I didn't hate this movie. It's just not worth watching. <laughs> Uh, if you have an opinion on Venom, uh, we'd love to hear about it. If you have an opinion on any of the stories we talked about today, we'd love to hear about that. Get a hold of me on Twitter. I am at Mitchipedia, G-E-R. John is also on Twitter as... I am at Magic Bollocks. The rest of Geek Elite Radio is at Geek Elite Radio on Twitter, at Geek Elite Radio on Instagram, Facebook.com forward slash Geek Elite Radio is our Facebook page, and GeekEliteRadio.com is our website. Check out archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on the Geek Elite Radio Network. But until next time... This is the Geeks Watch on the Geek Elite Radio Network saying, always remember to geek, geek out. We now return you to your regularly scheduled program.